As uh, many of you know, the, the church has a liturgical year. So, you know, we have a calendar year, we have a fiscal year, but the church has the liturgical year, which goes from Advent until uh, Christ the King, or the, uh, and then the 34th week of ordinary time. And as the church year comes to a close, and then at the beginning of Advent, the focus of the readings because um, you know they're all planned out and selected by the church and so the focus of the readings becomes um, the eschaton I'm just trying to teach you really good words for lunch you can impress your neighbors um, so the focus is eschatological or eschatology all that means is the end times or Christ's second coming all right Christ was very clear in the scriptures that he would be coming back um, he speaks of those very events, you know, in today's gospel. Um, and we have all throughout the, the New Testament clear, uh, you know, divine revelation that Christ will be returning. This is a, an essential tenet of our faith. So when we, when we start to hear the readings about Christ coming back, um, his return, he, he begins to speak in, in ways that, you know, we, we've just been, we've, we've kind of gone through this period prior to this of the Lord speaking about his mercy and, him, and his love, you know, quite extensively. Um, and now he's going to shift and, and the message is going to get a little bit harder. It's going to get a little bit more severe, actually. Um, and one of the main focal points is that People must make a decision. Every individual must make a decision. Either they choose Christ or they deny Christ. And today's gospel is essentially about that. It's, it's kind of a little bit odd, you know, 10 virgins and a bridegroom and lamps and oil. And, you know, the parable is, it, it certainly is not something, you know, using words or vocabulary we normally speak of. And so we have to sort of get inside, what, are the, what, are, what does the imagery mean? You know, what does it stand for? So first of all, the bridegroom, of course, is Christ, right? The, the, the Lord Jesus is the bridegroom. He's the groom who is coming back. And the virgins uh, represent us, either those of us who are wise or those of us who are foolish, right? Those of us who are wise bring enough oil because the groom is long delayed. So we're going to need a lot of oil. The foolish ones don't bring enough oil. All right. So what is the oil? How do we understand what the oil represents? Because it's not, you know, no one's carrying lamps around with oil, right? So it's, what does it stand for? What should it mean? Well, I think we have an indication of what the oil stands for based upon how the Lord responds to those foolish virgins who didn't have enough. Okay? He, when they, when they uh, you know, go to the merchants and, and presumably buy some more and then they come back and the door's already shut and they say, you know, open the door. The Lord comes to the door and says, I don't know you. He doesn't know them. Well, on one, one hand, this doesn't make any sense because Christ is omniscient. He knows everything. He clearly knows them. So knowing them in the sense that he knows all things could not be what this 
knowing is about. There's another sense in which, you know, we would say somebody knows another person. There's a few senses, but we'll just use two. It's one thing to know of some know of somebody. It's another thing to know somebody, right? So you might know of somebody, but you don't really know them, like know them, know their history, know what they're about, you know, have, have a relationship with them. But you might have heard of somebody. So here's, that's the distinction that I'd like to make where the Lord comes to the door and, and, and sees these foolish virgins and says, I don't know you. It means he doesn't have a relationship with them. He doesn't truly know them. All right, so therefore the oil is really representative of the faith life that these people have. If they have faith, that means they have a relationship with Christ and that means he knows them and they know him. It's not a surprise, you know, you come to the door and every once in a while I get a knock at the, the rectory and usually no one who knocks do I know who they are and I open the door and the security door is always locked because I don't know who's coming. And, uh, you know, are, are you the priest? No. <laughs> Sorry, he's not here, you know. Um, so anyway, you know, the Lord comes to the door and it's like that kind of surprise. Who, who is this? He doesn't know them because they don't have faith. The oil is faith and it's also holiness. All right. The, the wise virgins are the ones who responded to the faith that they were given by Christ. They responded to that faith. They allowed that faith to grow. They grew in a relationship with Christ. And they also allowed Christ to help make them holy. And so they were known to him. And he was known uh, to them as well. Right? There was that relationship. The foolish ones are the ones who had no relationship. And the reason, you know, you think about it, the 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 wise virgins wouldn't share any of their oil, which seems really unchristian. You know, give us some of your oil. No. <laughs> well, just share. No. Well, why would they not? Well, if the oil is representative of faith and holiness, they can't share it. You can't give that away because it's not, it's not something you can give away. Somebody either has faith or they don't. Right. But you can't like just give it. I mean, oh, you know, that would solve a lot of problems if you could just, you know, sort of inject another person with faith and then they would believe and have a relationship with Christ. Doesn't work that way. We know that. So so the, the wise virgins couldn't give away what in one sense didn't completely belong to them anyway, but was a gift from God, holiness and faith. Those foolish virgins, those foolish people who never chose to have a faith life and never pursued holiness. You know, maybe they went to church, but they didn't pursue holiness. They were just going through the motions. You're not known to God just because you go to church or just because you're a priest. You're known to God because you have a relationship with him and because we're allowing him to mold us and craft us into people who are holy. It's not good enough just to show up. It's not good enough just to be a priest or a deacon. Christ demands more. And at the and what he's saying, you know, is, you know, there's a certain point where time is up. There's a certain point where he comes again and there, there's, 
There's two times he's going to come again. The first time is when we die and he judges us. Will we be known by him when he does that? And that could happen at any moment. And when after death, it's too late. It's too late after death. You, you can't, you know, it's, it's a clear teaching of the church. You, you cannot just, you know, sort of enter death or eternal life, eternity, then see Christ and say, oh, my bad. I made a mistake. That's who you are. Whoops. Well, now I really believe in you. Too late. It's too late. You cannot repent after death in that sense. You cannot accept Christ after death. It has to be done now. The relationship has to be entered into now. So that when he comes, he truly knows us and we know him. We are not strangers because we have you know, cultivated this relationship here and now. After death is when we enjoy the full fruition of the relationship, which is the last point here. The groom comes back. Who does he marry? Who is the groom marrying? Well, the bridegroom marries the bride. The bride is the church. The groom marries the bride. And, you know, as a guy, this is kind of hard to get my head around to see myself as some kind of bride. You can't even imagine that. That would look horrific. Um, but it's a spiritual thing. Spiritual marriage. It's different than earthly marriage. Remember when, it, when uh, they, they questioned the Lord Jesus and they said, okay, there's this woman. She marries this guy. And then he dies. And then she marries his brother. And then he dies. And then she marries his brother. And then he dies. It's like six different guys. Who's she going to be married to in heaven? They're trying to trick Jesus. And he says, it's not like that. There's no marriage in heaven. You're only married until you die. Thank God. You're only married earthly until death. Until death do you part. Then you part. In heaven, it's, a, it's still marriage. But it's different. You see, earthly marriage is... is um, is sort of a foreshadowing of eternal marriage. Christ is preparing you, those of you who are called to marriage, he's preparing you for what you will receive in its, complete, in its completion, in its fullness in heaven, where all of us will be wedded, you know, bound together to Jesus Christ. It's a great mystery. It's, it's clearly, therefore, hard to understand. But what Christ wants to do with each one of us is so much greater than we often realize. Please stand.